0: take your bibles if you would Matthew chapter 23 23 Matthew 23 23 when i read through scripture what what, what does reading through your bible do some believable reading through your bible do for you a lot of times we're struggling people struggle spiritually and they go everywhere else for the solution when really the solution is just getting into the Word of God and reading it on a steady, regular basis. It really is. And then it will take care of you, the Word of God. You say, what about all that? What about all that in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? You need every bit of it. You learn who God is. You learn how he deals with these people. And I'll tell you what, if you just read the New Testament, you do not know. You do not know God like you think you do. Uh, you do not know the justice part of God and the judgment part of God. You have learned of the mercy part of God through Jesus. He came as a lamb. But you did not. You do not know what he thinks really of what well, you suppose you do by what happened at Calvary. Nobody thinks about sin. But uh, by reading the Old Testament, you learn who God is and how he deals with his people. Just so many spiritual, deep, principle lessons out of the Old Testament to learn. It is not easy. To go through some of those sections, it is not easy to read Jeremiah, it is not easy to read uh, Ezekiel and Lamentations, and it is not easy to read Isaiah. So those are some tough books, and the minor prophets can be that way. But I still do. Just because something's not easy doesn't mean it shouldn't be done. Amen. Amen. On that, eat your peas. Eat your peas. It's because it's not, just because it's not, oh, it doesn't. I don't get much out. We'll keep reading. it will be okay. So Matthew twenty three twenty three popped out at me big time. He's, Matthew 23 is the hardest chapter, the strongest chapter, if you're going to say the strongest preaching, and that's what Jesus was doing. It's the strongest preaching in the entire, probably the entire Bible, the entire New Testament for sure. He goes down through, and I'm just going to do one verse because I'm just going to take one section out of this one verse, but he's talking to the Pharisees straight up and down. He's he's, uh, he's doing what old Tom Farrell used to do. He used to call Tom double-barrel Farrell. If you have a double-barrel shotgun, you never pull both triggers at the same time because that will hurt you. But old double-barrel Farrell, we used to say he'd come up, and he'd when he preached tough, he'd pull both 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 triggers. And God bless him. He's been in heaven a while now. And so... What Jesus does here is what Double Barrel Pharaoh also did. He pulls both triggers. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. You may want to underline that. Have omitted the weightier matters of the law. which what, What are those? And this is what popped on me. Judgment mercy and faith these ought ye to have done not to leave the other undone so the pharisees and sadducees and lawyers and and the people the of, of the religious leadership of their day which was in hypocrisy and in sin and in apostasy he just lets them have it he says listen You do all this minor stuff, you do all this little stuff, but you forgot the big stuff. You forgot the reason why that stuff was written. If I only had three things I could say to you tonight, these would be three good things to say to you, if this was it, if I had just had three things. I could talk to you about the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that would be good. I could speak to you about the parables, that would be good. I could talk maybe about the gifts of the Spirit, and that would be good. Maybe something about the miracles of the Bible, and those all would be good. But according to Matthew 23, 23, Jesus basically does not, misses all of those and goes to these three things, judgment, mercy, and faith. Of all the possibilities and the potential areas that Jesus could have dealt with, he mentions these three specific areas. That should create some interest for all of us. So these areas must be important. And it must be somewhat of a summation, and it makes sense to me that we should go over them as born-again believers. So if you only had enough time to tell some, somebody some short amount of information, what would you say? Well, you should say, at least you should talk about judgment, mercy, and faith, because Jesus did. Let's talk about judgment, first of all. That's We're going to do it in the order he does it. Judgment. Don't go through your life without discerning between that which is good and that which was evil. That's what judgment is. I looked the word up. It means to make a decision. To make a decision has to do with the word justice. We need to know what justice is. Now you don't naturally, and I don't naturally know what justice is. What's just? Well, you know, if it's up to us individually, that can be influenced by our culture. That can be influenced by the way we were raised. That uh, a lot of things could influence your interpretation of justice. But it's not talking about your feelings about justice or what is right and wrong. But it's knowing what the Bible says. What does God say is right and what does God say is wrong? We live in a day where they call wrong right and right wrong. They got it upside down, don't they? I mean, they are complete. How would you? Why would you ever protest? that you can't kill babies. Who would be, what kind of monster are the people that are out there protesting because they want to kill the babies? I mean, I never thought I'd live among a group of murderers, outright, cold-blooded murderers, because these people are innocents. These are the babies they're talking about. They're not talking about criminals ought to have, what's funny is they'll murder the babies, but they, a person that deserves a death penalty, they'll fight to the end to save them so they don't get the death penalty. They're against capital punishment, but they're for capital punishment for innocent babies. And everybody that's got any kind of horse sense knows that a baby starts at conception. If you don't have conception, you never have anything past that. Uh, you say, well, they don't look like a baby. But in the end product, nine months later, they're a baby. Voila! Voila! little French for you. I think I'm living with a bunch of retardos. I mean, these people, oh, well, it's not a baby. What? What are you going to give? Come on, stop. But to justify their evil, they've turned justice on its head. They've turned judgment and justice upside down. And God says, To the Pharisees, you don't understand and you have not pursued true judgment. And that should have been number one on your list. These are the weightier matters of the law, that we understand what's right and you understand what's wrong. And you can't get it on your own, you need the Word of God. The Word of God plus the Holy Spirit will allow you to know what's right and what's wrong. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what people say. I don't care what, what's, in, what's in vogue or it's a fad. It's what the Word of God says. Why Gospel Baptist Church is what we are and what we do, we do what we do, because we believe it's right to do what we do. We've looked at the Bible. We've carefully looked at it, and we want to do what's pleasing to God, not what's pleasing to the crowd, not what's pleasing to the masses. Uh, but we do what's right to do. It's, we understand and want to pursue this thing of judgment. You know, Jesus. I did a little research on Jesus being a judge of all. It's interesting that you know Jesus. It was always a lamb of God. He wouldn't believe in judging sin like that. Well, let me read you some verses. John 5:22 says, "For the Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment under the Son. Uh, he is the judge of the living and the dead," according to Acts chapter 10, verse 42. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. The word quick means those who are alive and the dead. Christ is going to judge both the living and the dead. He is judge of all the world. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Because he appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, of course, being Jesus Christ. He will judge the secrets of man. Romans 2, 16. In that day when God shall judge the secrets of man by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. He's called the righteous judge. 2 Timothy 4, 8. Henceforth there is up for me a crown of righteousness, Paul says, which the Lord, that's speaking of Jesus, the righteous judge shall give me in that day. Uh, sixthly, he will judge according to your works. 1 Peter 4, 5 says, Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? Of course, is Jesus. Roman, Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 says, And I saw the dead small and great stand before God, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead and that were which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Who do you think, from what I just read, the judge is at the great white throne judgment? It's Jesus Christ. The very one who paid the price for your sin and offered you eternal life by simple childlike faith, plus nothing, minus nothing, people reject that, mock it, change and move away from it, they're going to face him Someday, he'll be their judge at that time. In fundamental churches, sometimes we're accused of being judgmental. I've heard that statement for years and years and years. Oftentimes, that simply means we call a spade a spade. You you card players out there. I mean, we just simply call things what they are. I mean, that statement I just made about abortion, that's anathema in feminist circles. I mean, you understand I'm a male chauvinist pig according to feminists, amen? I mean, I am like the epitome of awful. I mean, I've made, uh, on the internet, I've made uh, the worst, what do they call that, bad fundamental preachers thing or some sort of a website they put me up on and they thought it was hurting me and it was a compliment. I had 45,000 views I want to thank him for putting me up there and it was just, all I was doing was talking about a male leadership that's all it was I was just talking what the Bible was talking from one end of the Bible to the other it's male leadership all, all of the leaders in the Old Testament were male all the leaders in the New Testament are male Jesus was a male I mean how much How much you gotta get? And by the way, there's only there's only men and women. I said that this morning. I mean, we're living in such a crazy moment in time that these crazy when I tell you I'm around retarded people, now I don't I use that word with love. I believe they have mental illness going on. They do. It's called sin. And sin has messed them up in the area of knowing what is right. And what is wrong? This area of judgment that Jesus said. He tells them, Pharisees, you're messed up. You are messed up. You don't even understand judgment. That's one of the most fundamental parts of the law. The weightier matters of the law was what's right and what's wrong. You You don't get it. He says you need to get it. So we're supposed to have judgment. When Jesus refers to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in John, he mentions that he will come someday. And in John chapter 16, verse 8, he'll judge the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, that's what's wrong. Of righteousness, that's what's right. And of judgment is knowing the difference. That's what he's going to do. The Holy Spirit's going to come and judge the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And you better be You better know that that's the work that's going on through us right now. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We're called by Jesus as a church. We're here to tell them, this is the way. Walk ye in it. We're here to tell the world that right is right and wrong is wrong. and We're to define right and define wrong and and stick to it because God is and never changes. (laughs) Now, a little caveat, a little warning along this area of judgment. The carnal aspect of this, of judgment, can be carnality, can be critical spirit, can be a mean spirit, can be a self-righteous spirit, a one which eventually will devour people rather than build them up. That's not the kind of judgment Jesus is talking about. I mean, we need to tell them what's right, we need to tell them what's wrong, but understand you were them. Hello. I was one of them. You were one of them. And it's not that we're better than them. We've just been enlightened by the Holy Spirit and we've been saved by the grace of God. So now in love, we simply go back and tell them their house is on fire. Who, what kind of, what kind of a monster would see a person's house on fire? And look through the upstairs, their, their families upstairs in the window, and you can look through, and you see them upstairs, but the downstairs is on fire that you wouldn't run and knock on the door or throw a rock through the glass and say, your house is on fire, man. Run! <laughs> my brother and I caused a fire at a motel one time. We were doing some work at a motel, and I'll never forget the guy. Always, when I talk about this, it always comes to my mind. This guy comes right about right here to my ear. And the room is on fire. The flames are as tall as I am. The black smoke is about two feet thick running down the hallway. And, and uh, I'm thinking my life savings is going down the hallway right now. Because you know we're responsible for the fire. And that old boy got right in my ear and yelled, run, run. We didn't run. He came back and goes, run. After the whole thing was over, we put the fire out. I told my brother one more time. He would come back and told me that one more time. I'd have, I'd have been right with him. I'd have been out of the building. Let the thing burn down. Well, we stopped it. We put the fire out. They had the extinguisher locked in the, in the case because they had been stealing them. That is a real no-no. Because he and My brother and I took everything we could to get that lousy extinguisher out of that case which they had locked because the kids were stealing them. But I'd rather replace a few extinguishers than have that happen. We finally got it out and put it out. But had we been able to have access to the extinguisher, the damage would have been so much less. We appreciate that frugality on their part. But So we don't go to the world with a critical spirit. We don't go. We're not looking to pick them apart. Man, my feet are clay. My feet are clay. I got all kinds of problems. Stick around me long t- very much. And, and you're going to find it. I'm not totally perfected yet in Christ. I am positionally, but I'm not practically perfected. I'm positionally, sure I am. Uh, we're already in the heavenlies positionally. But uh, practically speaking, I'm out here struggling, and I need to bathe every day. Amen. I need to wash my feet every day and get my, myself, uh, keep a short list, as Brother Tom Gillespie once told me. So the, what, is, what is going on with this thing of judgment? The Holy Spirit's making us like Jesus. Right? Isn't that the goal of being saved, to be like Christ? Second Corinthians 5.21, I believe it is. Uh, brother Jim, you want to come up here and quote it? I'm oh, just kidding. Uh, I love Brother Jim coming up here. It's entertaining when you come up here and you give it a shot, brother. You give it a shot. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing that. And, and i love to see you fail. I'll be honest with you, but it's good. You keep, you keep it up. I don't want to be the only one up here failing, and you know I want you to join me and have fellowship with me on that. But, uh, anyways, uh, he wants us to be like Jesus. We got all kinds of of we got all kinds of wrong reasoning. We come from the world, and we get saved, and we got a whole barrel load of wrong reasoning when it comes to judgment. And so, what the Holy Spirit does from that point till you die is He's working through the Word of God, and He's working to get your judgment aligned with God's judgment. In other words, you your your view of right and wrong needs to line up with God's view of right and wrong. Ultimately, ultimately, and we're over here, and He brings through the Word of God. He brings us together, and we we uh, that's why that's why I've enjoyed working with older uh, born again Christians. Their, their judgment is more in line with the Bible. No offense meant to young people, but you, everybody's got to grow, right? I mean, we don't start out with all of it, and we work up to it, and God's working us and helping us, okay? So, so that brings me to the second area here, the second area of mercy. And By the way, I believe the order of this is inspired. The order of us inspired. First judgment, no one, difference between right and wrong. No one right and wrong. And then tempering that right and wrong with mercy. With mercy. Uh, mercy rejoices against judgment. That's Bible. Uh, James chapter 2, verse 13, for he shall have judgment without mercy. Listen to that. He shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. So don't you be telling me you're doing the will of God when you're, if you're ruthless. We're not supposed to be ruthless. We're supposed to give people wiggle room and room to grow and room to move and room to, room to get better. The first time somebody does something wrong, we don't slap them down and try to destroy them. We try to correct them and help them and build them back up so they will stand again and go on again. And trust me, we've been tested in this area here at the Gospel. Uh, what, how what kind of mercy we would show and the blend the if, if i may say the blending of judgment and mercy and it's a fine line to go too much judgment too much mercy you can go to, can you ever go too much mercy you can you can there's a tempering of the two i looked in the bible again did a little bible study on god and mercy and Psalm 103, 17 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Psalm 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting. Exodus chapter 20, verse 6, The showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Exodus 34, 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. Uh, Exodus 34:7 says, "Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin." But I like this. This is the balancing part that will not will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. For those who don't repent, they eventually just have to face a merciless judgment at the great white throne. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 18, the Lord is long-suffering and great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means, no means clearing the guilty again. James chapter 3, when it describes maybe one of the clearer parts of the New Testament, James chapter 3, verse 17, it says the wisdom that is from above. Now, as soon as I read that, I go, "Woo! what is that wisdom that is from above? This is a definition. In James chapter 3, verse 17, of wisdom that is from above, God's wisdom. He says wisdom that is from from above is first, pure. Well, that has to do something with judgment. Judgment, pure. Then it's peaceable. Peaceable. Not trying to make division, but trying to make unity. Working as hard to make unity as they do, some people work harder trying to divide. Uh, then gentle. Ooh. The servant of God should be gentle unto all men. That's not been easy for me. That's been one of the harder things to make sure I did that. I was gentle to folks when they had trouble. Uh, Easy to be entreated. When you get an opinion, are you? Can you be ever? When you get an opinion on something, can can you ever move? I know people say, I was born a Methodist. I'm going to die a Methodist. I don't care if they sanction homosexuality or whatever they do. They just are never going to change their opinion on something. Brother, If the, when the Methodists leave the Bible, I'm something else. When the Lutherans leave the Bible, I'm something else. When the Baptists leave the Bible, I'm something else. You know, I'm not loyal to an institution. I'm a loyal to the God of the institution. And if the institution leaves God, I'm with that other institution. We were talking today with, with Mike Tomorrow was born and raised Catholic. I said, you know, the Catholics, when they leave what God, what God says, I got to go with somebody else. So I didn't finish this. easy to be entreated, and I, I underlined my notes, full of mercy, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. That is wisdom from above. So we should, have, we should judge righteous judgments based on the word of God. Number two, we should temper these judgments with mercy. And then number three, Jesus said, have faith. Have faith. If you could say three things to somebody that would help them, what would you say? Well, Jesus says the very weight of the law is on these three pillars. Judgment, mercy, and faith. By the way, faith is an, a verb more than a noun, okay? People come to me and say, I got faith, but it doesn't do anything. Then you don't have faith. If God comes by your house and moves you to teach Sunday school class, and you say, well, I got a, I got, I got a stutter, I, 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 I got a stutter, and I, I, I have my tongues tied, and I'm not good at doing it," But if God came by and told you to teach Sunday school class, and you had the faith to believe that God knew what he was doing, you'd teach it stuttering. Are you with me? Yeah, because that faith would put into action and cause you to do something even even you don't think you can do. If you're ever going to get outside of your little box that you put yourself in, you're going to have to have faith and trust in God, and he'll take you out of that. He'll change your plans, make them his plans. Uh, Faith is not a mystical warm cuddly feeling that you get when you contemplate spiritual things i'm sorry to say it's just not now you may get that but that's not real faith that's not the kind of faith that he's talking about it's an action that comes from internal faith that believes that there is a god and he is a rewarder of them that diligently what seek him that's verbiage that's action right that's moving doing something seeking god now I don't mean to be mean to you, my, I want to temper this with mercy, but when you don't read the Bible, you're not seeking God. Now, it's one, now, I'm not saying you're not seeking God in other areas, but in that one big area, for sure, you say, well, Bill, I want to know God. Well, if you want to know him, this is the mind of Christ in the New Testament, and the Old Testament is who God was, and Jesus is both of them. And so you'll see both sides of God, the judgment part of God and the mercy part of God, putting them together together, and you'll have faith. It'll build your faith. Those three major things, a weightier part of the law here. So, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of faith, without which no man can be saved. The kingdom of God is by faith, without which you cannot grow. The kingdom of God is for faith, without which you cannot please God. So, the kingdom of God is of faith, by faith, and for faith. Faith, I did a little research on the word faith, it appears 247 times in the Bible. Now, some something appears four or five times in the Bible, that's big, but 247 times, so it's a book of faith. It is a kingdom of God in which faith in God is the principle for progress. I like where Jesus said, when he healed them, he touched their eyes and saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now, that's an interesting statement. According to your faith, be it unto you. He said, you want to be healed? I want to be healed. Well, according to your faith, be it unto you. I like, I, like, uh, I like when the Gentiles came to Jesus, and he said, well, I'm not really sent to the Gentiles. You know, I'm sent to the house of Israel. And this woman especially that wanted a miracle from me, she said, she said, even the dogs pick up the crumbs off the rich man's table. Now, brother, that was humble. That was humble. And her, his, her, her faith, though he did not even come for the Gentiles, her faith was so great that he said, may it be done. Gonna, you got the faith, do it. It's going to be done. I like those kind of things. When a centurion believed, he said, I haven't seen such kind of faith, yea, in all Israel. When you see the heathen, that's us. Really, if you know what I mean, that's us. Gentiles believe." The Jews rejected it. They came into his own. His own received him not. Generally speaking, the Jews rejected Jesus, didn't have faith to believe he was the one. After they looked for him all those years, and we Gentiles, we were like, good, you're the one. We believe. Help our unbelief. Don't expect to go anywhere with God without this third element, this element of faith. James 1.7 says, For let not a man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord, for a double-minded man is unstable in all these ways. If you don't have the faith, when you're praying, you got to believe that God's able to do it and willing to do it. Now, if you're going to pray for a, a bigger house or a better car or all that, i got a feeling you're praying amiss to keep it on your own lust. You're probably not going to have it happen. Uh, that's not what he's talking about. But he's praying for big stuff. you got unsaved neighbors, pray for him. you got unsaved relatives, pray for him. Pray in faith that God would save him. I've seen it happen. Over 45 years after we started praying, I've seen people get saved, folks. Right now i got one holdout of Beth Morris is her last name now, but it's Kathy's sister, Beth Moore. I knew her since she has been 18 years old, and she's still unsaved. It was out in California in Ventura area, I think, or up the way a little bit. And uh, she's still not saved. And I get down on my knees and say, Lord Jesus, please save Beth. Her husband's named Jeff. He's a Buddhist. Please save, please save Jeff. Please, please let him see Jesus before it's too late. You know, she's up there. She's older than I am. She's 73, four years old. And I said, you know, I don't know how much longer they got. Oh, Lord, don't let them go to hell. I pray for my brothers. I pray for my, my, their children. I pray for people around. I pray for you folks. I, I believe faith is a verb, man. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Hope you have an area of faith in your life. Basic areas of faith. Uh, he will and has forgiven you. Do you believe God will and has forgiven you? Boy, you got to get that down. God has and will forgive you. Uh, he will uh, he will take care of you. I think we just sang it. God will take care of you. That's one of my favorite songs among my list of five, four, five hundred favorite songs. But uh, God will take care of you. He'll take care of it. you folks. You're out of Haiti. All your stuff's down there, and everybody. God's going to take care of you, brother. God's gonna, and you know that. God's going to take care of you. He's he's going to help you, brother. Brother uh, uh, Nick, Nick, Nick is out of the house he built his dream home, and he's out of the house he he's got Parkinson's. I believe Nick's got Parkinson's, and and uh, God's got a whole new journey for him, man. God's going to take care of him all the way home. I hope I, I hope I didn't let any cat out of the bag, and I don't think so, but. But, but if I did, then practice forgiveness. Practice forgiveness, okay. God has and will be with you all the way to the end. Glory to God, hallelujah. I've seen a number of people go to the end. I've, seen, I've been in the room when they've left their body and gone into the spirit world, the numbers of them. And I believe that God's going to take care of us all the way to the end. We can just trust Him in that area. One by one, he will and has been with you and will be with you. He, he will keep his word, the word of God. When it's all said and done and all the dust settles on this turmoil and this confusion of ideas and philosophies and all this, when it's all settled, the word of God is going to stand. And they're all going to get down on their knees. The Bible says this, Philippians chapter 2, they're all going to get down on their knees and say, Jesus, your Lord. And in a mouthful, that basically says, everything you said is right, and everything you spoke is right, and you are Lord, your God, manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preaching and Gentiles, receive up into glory. Amen. So do you have, he says to these old, these old, rough, critical, super fundamental, they were ultra-fundamental, Uh, Jews, Pharisees, and then the Sadducees were ultra liberal. So both groups, both ultra fundamental and ultra liberal, were both erring, and all these little things that they were. Don't you get? Don't you read through the New Testament and get tired of saying, "Well, now you can't do that. It's the Sabbath. You can't heal this person because Sabbath." He says, "What's wrong with you?" He says, "If if one of your donkeys falls in the ditch, any one of you would pull him out on a Sabbath day. Didn't each one of you go and lead your animals out to eat?" I mean, I didn't take them out to eat, but you lead them out so they can eat. Didn't every one of you, remember, this is a rural society. Didn't every one of you get your animals this morning? That's work, but it's good. God meant you to do good on the Sabbath. He never outlawed good on the Sabbath. Doing that stuff is good. But they had it all wrong. They were all messed up. Why? Because they were in hypocrisy, trying to live it in the flesh, couldn't do it. He says you need to have the weightier matters of the law down. You need to know what's right and wrong, judgment. You need to have mercy mingled with that judgment which they didn't and you need to have a demonstrating active real faith our heavenly father help us tonight these three simple things these three pillars on which the law was based help us to have them here tonight may your hand work in our midst May God, in in his message like this, you never know what you're doing, what's going to happen. We ask you, Father, that some people here without Christ need to be saved. Tonight could be the night. They could trust Jesus. We'd like to show you how to do that. Maybe you've been saved never baptized. We'd love to be able to do that for you, help you get baptized. Jesus was baptized. Disciples were baptized. Everybody got saved in the New Testament. In the book of Acts, they got baptized. Time to get baptized. Maybe there's an area in your life that's a holdout area. The devil's got a hold of you, and he's, he's winning a victory in that area. But you, tonight you want to say, that's it. I'm going to give it up. I'm giving it to God and his word. Maybe tonight would be a night to do that. Whatever it is, you come do business with God. Father, you come now, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com,